punctuates it, and he creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle, and the Leafs are moved again! Good afternoon, or morning, or evening, or whenever you're listening to this. Welcome in to the Nesson Bruins podcast. I'm Nesson.com's Logan Mullen, joined once again by Nesson.com's Lauren Campbell. Lauren, greetings. Greetings. How you doing? Oh, you know, I'm doing all right, which is the exact same answer I just gave you when I asked you before we started recording about 10 seconds ago. How are you doing? I'm all right. Can't really complain. Can't complain. No, uh, you know, there's plenty to complain about, but nothing yeah. I really feel bothered to complain about right now. Um, but that's not why we're here. That's part of the reason we won't just sit here and complain. We're here to talk about the Boston Hockey Bruins. It is January 20th, which means we've got about three Bruins games under our belt by the time we record this. Uh, Just a quick recap, Bruins win on opening night to the New Jersey Devils in a shootout, Brad Marchand clinching that. Uh, And then a couple days later, they lose in overtime again. The last second, uh, Yegor Sharangovich scores for the Devils to give uh, New Jersey their first one of the season. Then the Bruins Uh, lose once again kind of at the last second to the New York Islanders on Monday thanks to a J.G. Pajot goal uh, with about five minutes left. So the Bruins right now the main storyline surrounding them is the fact that they through three games have no five on five goals. Uh, They have what is it two power play goals and a shorthanded goal uh, so far so uh, or yeah three power play goals and a shorthanded goal. I mean, the the point is moot. They have struggled through about, was that 180 plus minutes to get a five on five goal problematic for obvious reasons. Um, But that's where we stand right now, heading into the Bruins first homestand. They're going to welcome the Philadelphia Flyers uh, to TD Garden this weekend, beginning Thursday. Um, So I guess I'll leave it pretty open-ended here. Lauren, what has impressed you most so far? Uh, Probably the defense. I think that was one of the biggest questions going into the season. Um, It's really nice to see Kevin Miller looking like he's hasn't missed a beat. I mean, you would never know that he hasn't played in since 2019. Um, So that's been really promising. The goaltending obviously has been pretty solid. You look at, you know, they're losing one, nothing. They're losing three, two. Um, So they're not giving up a ton of goals. It's just, as you said, it's, they're not scoring, especially on the five on five. Um, but if you take that out, I'd say that the Bruins have been pretty solid through three games. It's it's tough because with the defense, I feel like the eye test has been more forgiving to them in some respects. Like the analytics in some ways have been uh, kind of ugly, especially in expected goals against. Um, but, you know, you, you look around and like Jakob Zaboro looks like he knows what he's doing. He looks way more comfortable. Kevin Miller is moving exceptionally well. In some in some senses, he's looked almost like a more fleet skater than he had uh, prior to the injuries that he underwent. So maybe just a little bit of time, rebuild the form. Who knows? Um, but like the, the numbers haven't been great with Jeremy Lozon, but that's bound to happen just because he's going to get a ton of matchups. But the thing is that, you know, there have been a few times where Tugarask and Yarrow Halak had to make highlight real saves and kind of got hung out to dry. But for a defense that has two guys on the left side that have less than a few dozen combined games of NHL experience, a guy on the right side who hadn't played in almost two years, 
Um, and, and then your other guy on the left side, Matt Grizzly, is basically playing in a less sheltered role than he ever has before. Uh, I agree. There, there's not a whole lot to complain about. I, I think there have been a few pleasant surprises up front. Uh, Nick Ritchie, I, it's debatable, but he's been arguably their best five-on-five five player. I, again, I don't know. I don't intend that to be a veiled insult because it's what does it mean to be the best five-on-five five player for a team that has no five-on-five five goals? Right. But, hey, it, it, it's something, right? He has something to hang his hat on. Uh, another guy who I think has been very impressive is Trent Frederick, yes. who basically got into the lineup on opening night by chance because Craig Smith was injured. Uh, Frederick was going to be a healthy scratch. And then he's basically carved himself a role on that fourth line left wing where I think by the time David Pasternak's back, which will probably be in the next few weeks, it might be pretty hard to scratch Trent Frederick. Yeah, I mean, he's really, he's looked really, really strong and he looks like he just kind of fits seamlessly into that lineup. Um, I've been really impressed with him. Just he's on the puck a lot. He's fast. He's going for the pucks. You know, it's just constant. Like, you know, when he's on the ice. Um, so he's definitely jumped out. And I think, you know, when this roster does get a little healthier, when you get Posh knocked back and, um, Cassidy's going to have some decisions to make, but I don't think Frederick should be part of that discussion. I think he should stay. I don't think that he's done anything to warrant not staying in the lineup. Well, and you make a good point too, that he has looked pretty good on the puck. And last year in the AHL, I remember he had been coming along quite a bit in terms of his on and off the puck skills, but his ability in the offensive end, he basically just wasn't a grinder anymore. And there have been a few times where I've watched him make these passes like diagonal across the offensive zone. And like the way he moves the puck, he looks like he has a clue. And that's not to say that he didn't beforehand, but you can tell that they're increasingly able to lean on him to be more than just an agitator. And the fact that he is able to agitate it, I mean, pretty much every game, he had gotten under somebody's skin. He was bothering P.K. Subban. It looked like he was irking Matt Barzal on Monday. The fact that he can do that more so is just at this point icing on the cake. And so I think they're getting exactly what they're hoping out of him. Of all the young guys that they're playing right now, I'd say he's probably been uh, the most exciting. And in a similar vein, I think, and I'll defer to you on this one as the resident expert here. You knew what's coming, but Anders Bjork's looked pretty good. Uh, didn't quite find the form on the first line, but in, in those third and fourth line, the bottom six roles, he's skating exceptionally well, um, and he's moving the puck well, and he, you can tell his defense has really come around, which is the biggest knock on his game for a long time. Yeah, I've been, you know, obviously impressed with him as well, but um when he was struggling a little bit on that top line, I think people are starting to realize maybe he is kind of a bottom six forward there. And maybe that's where his identity is going to get built is on, you know, the, the bottom six. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. He's fast. And obviously his defense has been really, really good and it's improved so much. And he's kind of becoming the player that through the first three games, anyway, that Bruins fans have been expecting since he broke onto the scene and then he had the shoulder surgeries and was just kind of, you know, in AHL, not really playing. And people are like, right, this kid's going to be a bust. <laughs> and here he comes now. He's really kind of breaking out. I don't know if I want to say that right right now through <laughs> three games. It's still early, but um, I have liked what I've seen. I've been encouraged, especially on the defensive end. And that's, you know, was one of the biggest questions going into this season. So any help that the blue line can get just kind of from the forwards is going to be even better. 
there will always be a spot for Bjork in the lineup if he can be a good defensive player. Because that that's something, too, that sunk a lot of those younger guys. Like Peter Solarik comes to mind. Ryan Donato comes to mind. Uh, Jacob Forsbacka Carlson. All of them were touted as offensive prospects. And when the offense wasn't working out, they were – to be kind, poor in the defensive end. And basically they had, Bruce Cassidy had no use to play them. As long as Bjork can prove he's a valuable defensive player, Cassidy will be way more patient with any sort of offensive missteps. Um, I've just been very impressed because Bjork seems more so than any other young player of his you know, brand, makeup, whatever you want to call it, to take the feedback about defense to heart and be like, okay, I'm going to round out this area of my game and it'll keep me in the lineup. And so far it has. Now, some of that might be by virtue of injuries. I don't think he's a roster lock once everybody's healthy, but he certainly positioned himself in a good spot. So that kind of leads us to the Bruins in some respects are getting increasingly healthy. In other ways, they're getting less healthy. Uh, Andre Kasha is out. Bruce Cassidy this afternoon, uh, Wednesday afternoon, did not have much of an update other than upper body injury. Of course, Kasha's injury came Saturday after a collision with Miles Wood. Uh, and then David Pasternak is still in a no-contact jersey, but it sounds like he's only a couple weeks off. So where we stand right now is Jake DeBrusque is in David Pasternak's usual spot. They bumped Jack Stadnicka down to the right side of the second line. So many different numbers and lines and what have you uh, in the spot Kasha usually has. So your second line right now is Nick Ritchie, David Krejci, Jack Stadnicka. And then your third line is Anders Bjork, Charlie Coyle, Craig Smith, which I think a lot of us thought it might be when they signed Craig Smith this offseason. What do you think of the direction of the lineup? How do you think they kind of tread water? And then what roles are you starting to think guys should probably start to file into a little bit once things settle? Um, well, I know we talked about this earlier, um, that Bruce Cassidy is not afraid to shake up the lines. And we've seen that quite a bit through the first three games. Um, if he's, he is, he's not patient. Like, I feel like he wants the results instantly. Um, and Putting the brusque up to the top line, I I was still like kind of surprised by it, even though I was expecting him to at some point probably see some action up there. Um, it certainly hurts losing Kasha, especially you don't really know the extent of his injury. You don't know how long he's going to be out. We don't really even know what's wrong with him. We can probably sit here and guess and assume, but until Cassidy says something, then we don't really know. Yeah. Um, I think I liked Craig Smith on the second line. I think he'll be fine on the on the third. Um, and the biggest thing, though, is, you know, obviously we've talked about this before, too, that Smith and Bjork shoot the puck a lot. Um, and this would be a really great time for them to find the back of the net to start that five on five scoring. Um, I can probably say that about anyone else in that lineup um, for the forwards right now. So I think I want to see, you know, Smith, Bjork, DeBrusque, especially. I want to see them just battle for the puck more. I want to see them score goals. Obviously, that's that's the end goal here. But. I, I want more five on five, anything, like just, just one. That's <laughs> all I want. And I think we'll see it. Um, I just think Cassidy needs to stick with, with the lines, he, the shuffling them. It's, I get it. Like he needs to figure out what works, but if he's going to keep doing it constantly, nothing's going to work. Yeah. 
I do think one encouraging development is that Jakob Zaporo loves to shoot. And I think some of the problem is just bad luck so far. Uh, I mean, the Bruins have had a couple goals scored on them already this year. That is clapper from the point, pinballs off of a bunch of guys and beats whatever Bruins goalie is in net. The Bruins offensively have not had such fortune so far. For me, I'm probably not, I'm definitely not touching the fourth line if I'm Bruce Cassie. I'm leaving the Frederick Crowley Wagner group as is. Uh, and then obviously the Marshawn Bergeron uh, Posternock combination will stay as is. I think they kind of throw caution to the wind by putting DeBrusque on that first line. Because if the, the whole objective is to develop chemistry between DeBrusque, Krejci, and Kasha, there's no point right now because there's no Kasha. So you might as well put guys in the position where they're probably most likely to succeed. I think what ends up happening, provided Trent Frederick doesn't take a step back at all, is it's going to come down to Bjork and Richie. Who exactly gets that spot? I don't know because you would think the offensive upside is there a little bit more with Bjork on paper, but Nick Ritchie has been good. So I think we're going to see a lot of things change in a way over the next couple of weeks where both players and neither guys relegated to a fourth line role, right? They're both with playmaking centers. So they're going to have an opportunity over the next 10 days, two weeks, however long to kind of prove their offensive worth, if you will. Um, I think the Nick Ritchie big body in front of the net type thing might be a little bit more palatable for the Bruins right now, because if the objective is to just get greasy goals so that they can score, you're sooner more likely to get that from Ritchie than you will Bjork. So a lot of stuff up in the air, but defensively, I mean, they're second in the league in goals against, again, only three games, but they've allowed just five goals. So I don't think I'm touching that right now, which means John Moore and Connor Clifton are, still scratch for the foreseeable future, but there really isn't a whole lot to tweak. I think it's just a matter of riding it out and hoping that the five on five stuff will come. Yeah. I think that's, that's the big thing right here is to don't make any drastic changes. Obviously you're going to need to make some at some point, but don't fix, don't try to fix what's working because it's not broken. It's fine. It'll come. It's just a matter of trying to finish these chances and trying to maybe take smarter shots. Um, but they need to just kind of stick with one lineup and just ride it out and see where it goes. It is hard because like, I get that some of this is out of desperation mode, but even before Kasha got hurt by midway through the second period Saturday, Marshawn and Bergeron had already skated with Kasha, Stadnika, Bjork, Coyle, DeBrusque, and Krejci. Um, and that's that's just not sustainable. Like, again, I get some of its desperation, but it's three games into the season. I understand that with the truncated season, you can't wait things out too, too much, especially with, you know, half of your division not going to make the playoffs. But eventually you have to let guys work things out a little bit. And I, I think Bruce Cassie is m much more the mindset of make a move too early than too late. But sometimes I think he airs a little bit too far on the side of too early. All that said, I am not concerned about the Bruins. I know that sometimes fans can be a little reactionary. I can understand if you haven't seen any five on five goals through 100 and 
80, almost 190 minutes of hockey, you're probably going to be a little unnerved by it. But my concern level, if 10 is like blow it all up and one is everything's fine, I'm like a three right now. Yeah, that's about where I'm at too. It's three games into the season. Players, you know, we didn't have preseason either. So players are still trying to get their legs back. They're trying to figure out, you know, just get back into game action. So, I mean, if it's, if we're next week, we're talking the same things over and over again for next week, the week after, okay, then I'm going to start raising some concerns. But right now it's just a matter of figuring it out and just not panicking too soon because then it just all hell breaks loose when, when panic happens. All right. So we're going to take a step back a little bit, take the, take the more broad view. Last time we took about 20 minutes to whip around the NHL. We intended (laughs) on 10. It ended up being 20. Um, We'll try and avoid that mistake, if you will, this time, that lack of timekeeping. Early on this season, we've got like a two to four game sample size for pretty much every team. What teams have impressed you so far? Um, I might be kind of jumping the gun here, but I, the Red Wings have two wins, which is more than I thought. I was going to say the Red Wings too. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think, you know, that'll fade out eventually. I still think they're going to be bottom of the barrel in the division, um, but they've certainly impressed me. Um, and I like what I've seen from the Rangers too. I know they won't, they have one win, but I, I do like what they, what they have going here and jumping on your bandwagon here the senators <laughs> yeah so i've i've watched a stupid amount of senators games <laughs> I, i'm not kidding i watched all their game last night against the jets i watched god on friday their opener against the leafs i watched all of that which is just horrifying but they're they're so fun <laughs> to watch they are they are i have to, i was watching them they're yeah they're opening game too and I was like, wow, like the uniforms are great. This is, they're actually, wow, like are the Senators good? Were, was Logan on to something? Between goals for and goals against, they've got 20 goals um, in three games so far this season. They've scored 10 and allowed 10. Um, so I'm with you on the Red Wings. I think they will flame out pretty quickly, um, but I'm with you on the Red Wings. I think the Panthers actually have been okay. They're one of the few remaining undefeated teams NHL two games right so make of it what you will and they've been playing the Blackhawks but you know there's a lot of tumult around that team and the whole Keith Yandel thing I can see how it'd be easy for them to get off to a slow start but it actually looked okay 10 goals for six against after a whole season when defense and goaltending was of chief concern so I don't know how sustainable all this is but I think they're in an okay spot um I've liked the Devils too, and they looked okay against the Bruins in both games. Uh, and, and a lot of stuff has sort of come together for them. Like Jack Hughes looks great. Yegor Sharangovich looks like he could be actually useful. Um, the Minnesota Wild, another team I was very down on, but they've actually held their own in a tough division so far. Uh, and then the Canadian division, it, probably just the Senators and I guess the Canadians, but there haven't been a ton of surprises there. Uh, so flip side, teams that have disappointed so far. Uh, so the Canucks have disappointed me thus far. Um, I was really high on them going into the season. And again, it's only three games, but um, I didn't think they would be, I didn't think they'd be a one-win team right now. Um, so I'm kind of like, blah on them right now they look Um, incredibly disjointed they do it's it's 
and I was, like I said, I was high on them. I, if I thought they may have turned the corner and finally kind of break through this and they, they haven't right now. So they've certainly kind of disappointed me. Um, I wasn't expecting too, too much from this team, but the sharks, I just feel like they just, they don't look good. I don't, I thought maybe they were, I watched them the other night and I was like, Oh, I'm like, okay, this isn't bad. Like they're giving them a run for their money. Um, nope. They just, I don't know. just kind of like let it go toward the end of the game. Um, it's always fun watching the blues get eight goals put up against them, especially, uh, especially against with our abs. So our abs. Yeah. They haven't disappointed me, but I am not going to turn down a sh- try to get a shot in on them. Um, and I guess, you know, I guess we can say the Bruins just because, I mean, they're, they're one, one and one, so they're, it could be worse, but just the five on five goal scoring is really kind of putting a damper on that. Like just kind of making me think like where, what can, what else can go wrong? Like nothing else can really go wrong. They don't, they don't have any other room for error here, especially if they're not scoring. Um, and then I think that's really it. I mean, the Blackhawks, I, I expected that. So I'll be excited to see the stars, see how they kind of bounce back from this COVID thing. So yeah, um, that's really it. Yeah. Th- so the Blue Jackets, um, they had a couple of tough ones, a couple clunkers to start the year. Um, another team that just looked a little bit off. Now that's a group that has a lot of locker room stuff going on, obviously with the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation. Uh, one team I do disagree with you on is the New York Rangers. That defense has been a disaster. I mean, we're already on to the, the contingency scratch Tony D'Angelo nonsense already. I only watched one game, so. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, watched. I think we always kind of knew what the Rangers were going to be, where it's like their forward group is going to be fantastic. Right. It was just a matter of what their defense was going to be. Now, I never agreed with Dave Quinn's decision to put Jack Johnson and Tony D'Angelo together. That, that one never made any sense. But that's a group that'll – they're going to live and die with the defense, basically, because the offense will be fine. So, I don't know. I've been all in on the Rangers for a little bit. I'm skeptical at this point in time. Uh, nobody in the West really shocked me that much. And I guess the Oilers out in the North, I mean, that's another team where we could see their issues coming from a mile away, right? Their goaltending situation's a disaster. Everybody could see that Koskinen being the, being the guy was not going to work out. And now they have, I believe tonight, uh, Wednesday night, they have the Maple Leafs who lead the division. So that's, that's a group too that hasn't really done too much for me so far. Uh, so to wrap things up, and we actually mentioned them a couple minutes ago. So Keith Yandel, everybody kind of knows that situation now. He had the Ironman streak, has the Ironman streak at the time of recording this. Now the Panthers, because of cancellations and whatnot, I think are going to begin their season with two games over the course of 13 days. Uh, but whatever the case may be, they were going to healthy scratch Keith Yandel, who had 866, I think, consecutive games there seems like there's like a player revolt of some kind. Keith Yandel ends up in the lineup. He scores against the Blackhawks. He's going to make it challenging for them to take him out of the lineup, but he's got a big contract, one that comes with trade protection. He's insistent that the teams never ask him to remove his trade protection. But if you are the Bruins and Bill Zito's calling you and saying, what would it take to get Keith Yandel? Are you hanging up the phone right away or are you at least listening? 
I mean, I think I'd have to at least listen. Um, if yeah, I should rephrase because you always listen. Every good GM always listens. But how seriously are you entertaining it? That was, that was bad hosting on my part. <laughs> um, I don't think I seriously entertain it. Um, unless there's some crazy can't turn it down deal package here. Um, if you asked me this last week or two weeks ago, I would have said, absolutely, you're going to listen and you're not hanging up that phone until you get him in a Bruins uniform. But I think because we've seen the defense not really have too many, too, too many issues, like eye test, as you were saying, I don't know. I, and the contract is kind of also, you know, iffy. Um, but I just, I'm not, I'm not sold on him three games into the season. Maybe that'll change after tonight or tomorrow. And next week I'm like, Oh no, we need to get him here. Like this is, I will, I'll call myself. Like I will, I'll listen to all offers, but right now I'm, I'm going to stand pat and just say, I'll hang up after I, after I listen. (laughs) Well, his defense has been suspect and you're not getting that deal done without Florida retaining at least some money. Right. And so then it becomes, well, what are you sending in return? And if the five on five scorings come around, you're probably not worrying as much about offense from the blue line. And at that point, you're not going to want a guy who more or less was getting healthy scratched because, or they were planning on healthy scratching because of defensive shortcomings, all while on a pairing with Aaron Eckblad. So if he's coming in to be the guy on the left of Charlie McAvoy and he couldn't hack it with Eckblad, that could be problematic. I think the answer will be clearer for the Bruins at a point where the Panthers have already made their mind up with them. So if he actually figures into their plans, they're not going to know that for a few weeks. If they're intent on trading him, they're probably not going to know that for a few weeks. If you're the Bruins, you're not making any moves right now. If you're actually insistent on riding things out with Lozon and Zaboral and to a lesser degree Vakaninen, you can start blowing things up or making swing for the fences for six and a half million dollar players a week into the season, a couple weeks into the season. If the Bruins get to a point where they think, okay, we might need to add defense, you're not figuring that out for a couple more, I mean, I say a couple more weeks, probably at least another month and a half, two months. At that point, there will be a resolution, I would think, with the Yandel situation one way or another. So I just don't think it's that feasible. And it does just fly in the face of everything the Bruins seem to be intent on doing. Right. And we said earlier, um, not this episode, but a couple episodes ago that, you know, the Bruins want to see what they have in these young people and bringing in Yandel, it might just be like, well, what about us? Like we, we've only been in, in game mode for three games, three or four games. And now you're going to bring in this defenseman who you're hoping will do what we can do. Um, so right now it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I mean, that could, anything can happen. Right. In weeks. <laughs> Any other parting thoughts? Uh, I just want to see a five on five goal, like maybe yeah. getting back to the garden. That's, that's just what they need to do. Who's going to get it. Anders Bjork. Anders Bjork. <laughs> it's got, it's going to be like Corrali. It's got yeah. big goals. Only Sean Corrali is going to be the one to get the first five on five goal, four games into the year. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Nick Ritchie though. I mean, he's gotten opportunities. So I'll tell you what, the guy deserves one, if nothing yeah. else. Like he, he's put himself in a he's been a little snake bit. He has Andre Kasha from the bubble syndrome right now. Yes, he does. It's just like one great A opportunity after another and either rings it off the post or misses the net or misplays yep. the puck. <laughs> uh, in in due course, by the time we speak next week, I would think 
there will be a five on five goal. If the, the concern number will be through the roof if we're talking this time next week and they're still without a, an even strength goal. It'll go to like an eight or a nine by that point. Yeah, probably. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So with that, we will leave you. That's Lauren. I'm Logan. This has been the Nesson Bruins podcast. Thank you as always for listening. Please uh, subscribe, rate, review, iTunes. Uh, where else do you get your podcast? Google Play, Stitcher, um, Podbay. I can, I can probably do this all day if I think about it. So I'll just Spotify. There we go. Our friend's coming in hot with a comment. Spotify. That's right. And just search for the Ness and Bruins podcast. We have a nifty little page where you will find all of our episodes uh, dating back quite literally months. So if you ever want to hear our, you know, mid-April thoughts on if the NHL season would resume, then you can find it right there. Uh, so once again, that's Lauren. I'm Logan. And this has been the Ness and Bruins podcast. We'll talk to you next week.